so uh, I don't, I'm glad you uh, finally get to sit down and have a chat with me, man. Um, man, uh, awesome, man, awesome. So uh, just to, for people to know, uh, you and I met in Florida. My wife and I were just having a trip to, in, in Miami, Florida, and you were our, our uh, bartender. You really took care of us, and we just kind of got to talking, and, and your story is a pretty interesting one. Um, from what I remember, you uh, are really putting back into the community via boxing. You really love training people. Um, and you kind of grew up inner city Chicago life, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, and you just moved to Florida, what, four months December ago? December 23rd. Yeah, yeah, so December. Sure. So you spent the majority of your life in Chicago. You were born in prison, or your mom birthed you in prison while she was there. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so- she was, uh, well, she was in prison. They ended up, uh, I was born at UK. <clears throat> she was in prison at the time. They took her to uh, University of Kentucky in Lexington. And then after being born, my dad brought me back to Chicago. Um, I stayed in Chicago until I was four. And then we went to Cincinnati for a little bit with my mother. And then I went to from Cincinnati from, oh no, I'm sorry, five. Five to nine years old, uh, stayed in Cincinnati, Ohio, and came back to Chicago um, until I was 11. Then I went to North Carolina for six years, from 11 to 17, then came back and was in Chicago ever since. Then I just came down here. That's uh, You're hopping all over the place. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So, so you're telling me a lot about how you – Growing up in that kind of that different lifestyle that for me, it's, it's a different, a little bit different lifestyle. Cause my, I grew up a lot differently. Um, and I think I, lo- I like having these type of conversations with people because it gives me a fresh perspective and it's very easy on both sides of whatever argument you're, you're running with to just have one perspective. Um, and I, that's why I love hearing your type of stories and people who are completely different than me. And that's honestly where the breakdown of a lot of America is right now, where people are, aren't having these type of conversations with people who are just different and like you can be completely different and be totally fun and be totally cool. Um, but I think these differences are what's widening these gaps. And so for me, it's a huge learning experience when I get to talk to people like you who has had a completely different life um, where you, where you grew up in, in a pretty rough way compared to a lot of people. And you, you are explaining to me how much of fighting was such a, yeah, an outlet for you. So why was kind of a, uh, that, that fighting mentality in you? Um, so the fighting mentality, um, my dad was a fighter. My mother was a fighter. Uh, my mother used to box in the military. Uh, my dad always did kickboxing, Muay Thai. He was always, always into martial arts. So um, I do know that a lot of times like psychologically or whatever, and uh, like as far as like things traveling through generations or whatever, like that is just there. You know what I'm saying? Some things are hereditary, like anger and things like that. And I've always been an angry kid. Um, so it was like fight or flight for me. And nine out of 10, I always picked to fight. Like my dad was like, hey, you know, can't back down. My mom was the same way, like don't back down. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with it. And then also, like I say, <clears throat> some of the areas I was in, like the schools I went to, uh, like in Chicago, the school I went to was in a bad neighborhood. Every school I went to was in a bad neighborhood. When I was in North Carolina, the schools were rough. Uh, 
Cincinnati the schools were rough. We went to school in the hood. So it's like if you had nicer clothes, kids wanted to fight. You know, if you look different, kids wanted to fight. And I don't know why. Um, well, I kind of do know why. I feel like it's a systematic thing or whatever. Like throughout the years, like the anger in the black community and the violence of the black community has just been, it just relays, it relapses, relapses, relapses. Why do you think you know, that it is? Because that's, kind of that's kind of a big deal right now. And um, there, this is an issue, and it seems like it's always been an issue where uh, the differences between the different communities just are always clashing. And I know you ex- you told me a little story about the, the quite a few times where you've experienced this pretty intense, like, you know, you're both from, from white people and black people where because you're different, because you're a lighter skin color, like they beat the, they beat the yeah. shit type of stuff. So why is this, so, this perpetual cycle within the, the, these communities, you think? Um, it all, like, it really goes back to like, uh, like the, um, uh, the Willie Lynch letter. Like as far as when it comes to like black people, so like the Willie Lynch letter. I don't know if you ever heard the term like crabs in a barrel. And in the Willie Lynch letter, he was explaining it to like slave owners and stuff like that. Like, hey, this is how you do this. You separate, separate the lights from the darks. This is how you can control them. You know what I'm saying? Break down the big guy. Break the man down. The rest will fall. You know, and that separation of lights and darks, like that still continued on to today. So there's that separation. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. white people hate me, black people hate me, you know, and back in slavery days, like, I hate to say it, but I would have been considered a house Negro because of my skin complexion. They would have put me in the house. It's better looking, lighter skin. Lighter skin, yeah. Exactly. So even in communities of today, <clears throat> a lot of, uh, especially like in the South, like when I lived in North Carolina, it was like the worst because people were like, oh man, you like skin, you think you're better than us, da 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 they hear you think better than us it's like nah bro like <laughs> i didn't ask to look like this you know like that's my parents you know <clears throat> and so like i say i think it's a, a it's that systematic thing that willie lynch letter still continues on to today you know what's the it what's still the carries on. I, I don't think i've i don't know that letter uh the willie lynch letter was a letter to all the slave owners basically and it was essentially to, like I say, it was it was a way to control the slaves. You know, <clears throat> it was a way to keep everybody under wraps. You know, you cut off, you separate the lights from the darks along with cutting off the head. The head of the household is a man. In any culture, any race, the head of the household is a man. If you can break down, uh, if you can break down the man, or if you can mm-hmm. cut the head off, the rest of the body is going to fall. You know what I'm saying? The wives, the children, mm-hmm. everything's going to fall. So are you saying that, that the breakdown of the black male in a family is what's perpetuating this cycle? Um, a lot of, uh, I feel like a lot of the violence from is also because of that, but the violence, the light skin, dark skin thing is, I say that goes into the leaves, so separate the lights from the darks. The, the darks, they work in the field. The lights, they work in the house. Even, um, <clears throat> Even today, like, uh, I'm not a scary looking guy, you know what I'm saying? But you'll have a guy with a better resume than me that's darker skin, but he might look a little scarier. People portray him as being scarier than I am, so they'd rather give me a job than him, you know? Hmm. Is it fair? No, it's not. Um, I actually have, 
uh, quite a few times. I've experienced that in Chicago, you know. Um, I've experienced it growing up as a kid, like even with females as a kid, they want the light skinned guy, they don't want the dark skinned guy. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because he's because light skinned guy is prettier, you know, he's better to look upon, you know. Um, and it's like even today, like I explain to my fiance when I all the time, like I'll be at work. Like literally, like two days after you left, some lady told me, he's like, oh man, you soft, you light skinned. Like we have light skinned people, like we have this thing, like we're soft, we're not tough, we can't fight, we're punks or whatever, you know? And huh. I just laugh at it, man, because little do they know, you know, little <laughs> do they know. <laughs> so, I'm not a tough guy, but I can defend myself. No, yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> yeah. and we talked a little bit about that mindset uh, whenever we were chatting while, while my wife and I were there, but kind of how, when did it shift for you? Because originally you, you told me a lot about how you're fighting and how you, how you love fighting because you're always angry. And that the anger portion of that can be stemmed from a whole lot of things that, like you said last time. Um, but at what point did it actually transition from, full on anger to, Hey, actually I'm, I'm confident, but I don't have to fight. And now I want to pour back into the community. When did that shift occur? When I started taking boxing, like really seriously in 2013, I, I've probably been on like maybe four street fights mm -hmm. since 2013 and maybe four. Uh, and that is a really good number for me, you know? And, uh, like I say, it was like, I feel like I don't even have the energy, you know what I'm saying, sometimes to even, you know, feed into whatever it is that's going on. And a lot of times just like, I don't, I feel like I don't have anything to prove, you know, I prove everything in the ring, you know, mm. like I know I could fight. Yeah, I know. And I know a lot of this, you were even telling me last time where, uh, a lot of the roots of some, a lot of your anger, it's parents, but also like you, you, you wanted to belong. Like you didn't really have a place, a family uh, community to plug into, you know, the black people who are actually like full on black, the dark skinned black people um, didn't really accept you. And then a lot of the white yeah. community you said didn't really accept you. Cause you're, you know, you're living in inner city, Chicago and yeah. inner city Chicago that's made headlines you know, across the nation for years now, it's been a hot topic for many of the presidential races, no matter who you, where you, what side of the aisle you on. Um, it's, it's a tough area to live in. So how does like the main, the main place that I wasn't like really accepted by whites or blacks was mainly in uh, North Carolina. Okay. I, when I first went down to North Carolina, I was 11 years old. The first kid I met was a white kid. The first thing he said to me was nigger. Hmm. I didn't know, even know what that meant. But the way he said it, I just knew, like, that is something I should not let this guy call me. Mm. You know? And Interesting. I said it was, like, it was super weird for me and super new for me because it was different in Chicago because Chicago is more, um, it's more diverse, you know? Depending on where you live at, it's more diverse. The school I went to was mainly, like, Mexicans and uh, Black people. Mm -hmm. uh, but, like, even there, like, still a lot of racism in Chicago. Like, Chicago is... Uh, that like the surrounding suburbs in Chicago, it's like in the Illinois period was, uh, if you look at like history for Illinois, that's one of the last places in the Midwest that like became integrated. Hmm. Illinois was? Huh. That's one of the last, that's one of the last few places in the Midwest to become integrated. Hmm. Like uh, the sub, and the suburb, uh, it's a suburb that we have called Cicero. 
that's the last, that was the last place to allow black people and Latinos to live in. Hmm. I didn't know that. So there's, there's all this, all this kind of, uh, things that you're experiencing. How did, like, you, you weren't really, like you told me before, you weren't really feeling like you were belonging to a community. And we know even from the sociological perspective of, of science, we know that community is massive for a person's well-being. So you just turned to, to fighting for a long time. Then you finally realized that that belonging, actually, you found a community in boxing. So kind of walk me through how that, that belonging affected your life. So it's like with boxing, man. It's like, it's it's like, how can you, so it's like with boxing, it's really like, how can you not get along with people? You know, because if we have aggression towards each other, we, we spar or we fight, you know? We get in and we lace up, we put our gloves on, put our hair going, put up a mouthpiece in, and we get out. And that's that everything that happens in the ring is so in the rain. It's like a really huge community, like a really family community, you know? And it's like, yeah, like in Chicago, like, and I hear a lot of other places, like, the gyms are segregated and not in the sense of race is segregated, but like they're from this neighborhood, they're from this part, yeah. they're from this gym. Well, that's how you know it is too. So we don't, yeah, so we don't mess with them because they're from this gym. We don't mess with them because we're from this gym. But as a whole in the gym, it's not like how when I came up in high school and elementary school and grade school or whatever, we're like black kids set over here, black kids set over here, Mexican set over here. No, it's just like, a community it's like a real live community like a real live family type of thing you know mm-hmm. yeah. like everybody's there to push each other to be better everybody's working together you know even yeah. though we fight separately even though we fight by ourselves we're still helping each other out we're still a team you know we're still a family you know what i'm saying yeah so why do you think that people segregate themselves why do you think that there's such this uh cordoning off of different races um I think it has a lot to do with uh, parental judgment. Um, and sometimes, a lot of times, I meant uh, fear of change and fear of new things. A lot of people fear new things. A lot of people fear change, you know? A lot of people fear difference. You know what I'm saying? Especially, yeah. like, if you've never seen, like, my fiance, like, she's, uh, I told her she's Japanese and Slovakian. She had never been around uh, Black people like that for a long time in her life. So it was like something new for her. It was a change. Uh, and she explains to me sometimes that like she was a little afraid sometimes because it was something she had never experienced. Her, mm. you know? And I said that was new for her, you know? Um, and I know people like, like I have a friend that's from the South side of Chicago. Like he's never been around a lot of white people like that. So it's like when he's around white people, like he's like, you know, mm-hmm. or people of different cultures, period, because, you know what I'm saying, where he lives, saw so all black people. So do you know, think, all he knows is black people. Do you think that the the lack of diversity within communities perpetuates the problem that we're talking about right now, where because he doesn't see a lot of white people, because he doesn't hang out with a lot of pe- white people, he thinks that white people are racist because he doesn't have these type of conversations. That lack of diversity, I'm asking you, do you think that perpetuates the current problem that we have? Yes, as well as media. Mm. Media and lack of diversity. So, like, why can you and I click so well and we don't really – like, I'm, I'm not looking at your skin color. You're not looking at my skin color. Maybe you are. I don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're, we clicked well. And why can we click well but 
other people can't? Um, so I, for me, I believe it's because like, and maybe for you, I don't know, but I've been around, like I'm from the north side of Chicago. So it's really diverse, you know? So it's like, I went to school, like I said, with Latinos when I got to high school, it was white kids, black kids, people from across the country. Like it was really, really, it's really, really diverse on those sections. You got people from Africa, you got people from Europe, you got people from India, people from Asia, you know, people from South America. You got people from all over the place on north side of Chicago. That's where they like to move to downtown, north side of Chicago, the south side, unless I have such a bad name. Um, and like I said, I've been, growing up, I've been, you know what I'm saying, around different cultures, Yeah. you know? And my dad is like one of those people where he's like, nah, man, it doesn't matter, you know, what their skin is like. Like, it doesn't matter, just, you know, be you, you know? Yeah. But I've, people I've had, latch on to it. Exactly. I've had conversations with a lot of different people because, I mean, we've, we've traveled, my wife and I have traveled all over the world. We love traveling, so we, we get to experience a lot of different cultures. And that's really helped us be able to have conversations with people who are completely different than us. And so that's kind of normal for us. We get it. We like it. We enjoy it. It gives us fresh perspective. Um, same thing with you. You you grew up in a different, diverse culture, which is awesome. So how, like, why do some people... Um, specifically, like I've met quite a few people who are, are African-American, black, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And they, they have actually experienced like a little of a side of racism because I am white, which is different, which I know I'm not trying to say, like trying to be on y'all same on, on everybody else's same level. I I'm not persecuted or anything like that, but I, I do wonder if it's more, uh, familial based, all these issues that we're having. I think, um. A lot of people lack an open mind because I've dealt with some crazy racist stuff. I said my first experience in North Carolina yeah. when I first moved down there, I had caught a nigger. Not a nigger, but a nigger. Hard R on me. Yeah. Um, when I was 17, I was in Mississippi with my grandmother and I was doing my daily jog or whatever. I saw a black man hanging from the tree, you know? Hmm. But I do know, though, like I say, not all people... You know what I'm saying? Uh, are racist. I believe that everybody's prejudiced, mm. but not every not everybody is racist. You know. And I'm definitely it's not like you kind of got to good. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just saying I, I'm definitely not trying to say like I've ex- uh, that I've experienced racism in that way at all. But I have, for the first time in my life, experienced people looking at me differently because I'm white, which gave me a different perspective on some of what even the black community, the Mex- the minority communities have experienced as well. However, slavery across the board is experienced in every culture. So it's, it's how do we like, like, how do we understand and get a bigger perspective where it's, I get like this, like slavery, terrible. It's the, the most tarnished thing on American name um, that has ever experienced, but it also occurs in every culture around the world throughout time. I mean, if you look at the Holocaust, it was immediately, you know, it was all Jews who were, who were uh, murdered. None of them, not, they weren't black. So I, how do we bridge these gaps between like just having an open mind? It's not, it's not a person's skin color that's making them different. It's, I wonder, I'm curious, I guess I'm asking you kind of your perspective on how uh, we get past skin color where a lot, I've seen a lot of times familial based ideals are what are leading to a lot of these uh, uh, issues within America. 
I know that was a lot. But <laughs> no. Um, so for me, I personally believe that it has to start with self. Like Michael Jackson said, it starts with the man in the mirror. Racism is a learned behavior. You know what I'm saying? Even a sense of, oh, man, I don't want to hang with that dude because he's white and oh, I see his crazy stuff from white folks on TV. You know, but I don't know you as a person. You know what I'm saying? So how do I know that you're racist? So on the same, that puts a prejudice. That makes me prejudiced. That makes me racist in a sense because you're a white dude. I don't want to talk to you because I think you might be racist. You know? Hmm. And like I say, that's something that has to start with self. You know, people have to be open-minded on their own. They have to make a choice to be open-minded. And everything that they've learned from their parents to friends to social media, people have to let that go and open their minds up. You know? But how? They really, really do. Like I said, that's something that people have to, that's something people I feel like really have to tap into on their own, you know? Because I've always been an open-minded person, so it's not a hard thing for me to be open-minded. You know, I like to give people benefit of the doubt. You know, I take that back. I'm not open-minded to police at all. Hmm. At all. When I'm dealing with the police, I'm like, no matter what color they are, though, I don't care if they're black, I don't care if they're white, they could be Mexican, Indian, whatever. Be the police, like, I'm super like, oh, shit, the police, you know? So, so why? I've had some terrible experiences. Yeah, you told me a few of those <laughs> last time. <laughs> I mean, I've been snatched out the car, slammed into the car, face first, like, you know, like, the police, man, have, they torture me, especially, like, the neighborhood I was in in Chicago, like, they have no issue. Like even me and my fiance, we got pulled over one time. They harassed us, pulled us out the car, handcuffed us both, and everything. You know, as long as outside of Chicago, just because you know she had uh, the window was busted or whatever, so we had taped it up. And they were like, "Yeah, you know," and that was just a reason. They saw a black dude in the car. And I know I'm like Chicago, so my dad was a uh, Chicago police officer. He explained to me, and so was my uncle. And, they, and it was just plain that when they're going through. They're uh, training and whatnot. Uh, my dad explained to me that the first thing they tell them about pulling people over is if they're black or Latino, we have a nice car, pull them over. If it's a beat up car, pull them over. Hmm. So, and, and that's actually, what they, they train that in the academy in Chicago. That's what my father told me. He said that's what they teach you. And my uncle confirmed the same. What year was you that? Know? This was uh, my uncle is still a police officer now. My dad was a police officer in the nineties. Hmm. Okay, so it's interesting you say that because I, I I am curious if that is shifting a lot because I know I've I've had like a couple of Fort Worth officers on. Um. Well, it was one Fort Worth officer came on the show, and then another uh, officer from California came on the show, and the officer that came on recently from Fort Worth, she she's fairly new, um, in the academy. She's only been there two or three years, and then another one of my buddies is going just went through the academy, just graduated like a month ago. And the things that they're telling me is the exact opposite. And I don't know if that's uh, just time, you know, it's been 20 years, 30 years since then. And that a lot has changed since then. So I'm curious if some of those things are slowly getting worked out. I don't know if that's every city or if that's every cop, but I do know that the whole like uh, Academy in Fort Worth is, is very, very intent on, on not teaching that type of stuff. And I'm maybe it's geographical, maybe it's location. I don't know. And maybe it's the old guard kind of moving out and 
more uh, open-mindedness is being taught that maybe, but that is pretty screwed up that, that they taught that back in the day. You know, that's, that's insane yeah. actually. Even the black officer, that's like, wow, dude. Like, seriously. So it's, it's, yeah. uh, it sounds like you're saying it's less of uh, color of skin and more behavior. Again, it's behavioral and not necessarily race-based. Is that what you're saying? Um, for the police officers in Chicago? And your experience with that? Uh, my experience with that, I feel like, so my main experience with the police, um, it's just been terrible experiences. The ones down here aren't half bad, uh, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like you say, it might be a location thing because the police in Chicago are way more harsh. Like if you have dark tinted windows, this has happened to me more than once. They pull up, they have their guns drawn when they pull you over. When they pull you over and they walk up to your window, if you got tinted windows, they have guns drawn. Hmm. Down here, we got tinted windows in the car. None of that. Hmm. Say, you know, you mind rolling down the window. You know, I just need to see your license, blah, blah, blah. They want your license. If you're speeding or whatever, I was speeding one time. Uh, <laughs> well, only once, right? <laughs> I was going 60 and a 30. Uh, <laughs> I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, they pulled me over and they gave me a ticket, but it wasn't like, hey, man, get out the car. We need to see this, then a third, blah, blah, blah. None of that above. Chicago is like a city of Almost every time I I can count maybe five times that I've been pulled over that I didn't have to get out the car. And it so, was the breeze by. So Chicago is, is kind of like a, it's war city, on it, especially inner city of Chicago. It's, it's very, the, the murder rate's pretty intense there. Do you think that the violence on some of those uh, perspectives is what's leading to a lot of these issues where cops who pulled over people who are with tinted windows um, have had really, really, really bad experiences because tinted windows, easy to get shot, especially in a, in a spot that's almost war-torn in some mm-hmm. spots that are really gang-related in inner city Chicago. So do you think that that leads to some of these issues? Because I, like you're saying in Florida, that's not really the case where there's there's still violent crime, like every city, yeah. but it's not near as bad as Chicago until the cops are going to respond accordingly. What do you think? Um, I feel like yes. Um, I haven't been to the hood out here, so I don't really know. Mm. I hear the hood out here is pretty messed up too. Mm. Um, so I don't really know. I can't really speak too heavily on Florida. I say the neighborhood that I was in was, it was a nice neighborhood. The, the five times that I got, the four or five times I got pulled over where I didn't get put out the car. I was in really nice neighborhoods like downtown, you know, River North, you know what I'm saying? Those mm-hmm. areas. So it's like the police aren't as harsh in those areas, but you get put over on the South side, you get put over in uptown or Rogers Park you, and you, I don't know how it is for people of other cultures, but you can't pull out the car. Interesting. So, uh, or on the west side, you might, if you got 10 of those, they're approaching you with a gun. You know, so like I said, it might have something to do with that also. I'm sure it does. Uh, and I'm definitely, um, not, sometimes, I'm not, I'm definitely not trying to like downplay anything that you've experienced. I'm just trying to like get no, like no, no. different different perspectives on police in different mm-hmm. areas. Because I mean, I, police here, for the most part, are are pretty good. Granted, I don't I don't live in the hood. And saying like you're saying, like is it, I, I'm wondering if it's location based, based on the territories of different gangs and the violence that occurs within those territories. 
So the game, you know, the cops that run the sit the areas that are super violent and have a lot of high crime, they're probably going to be a lot more on edge and be very more strict yeah. with how they pull people over than somebody who lives, you know, in like a ritzy ass neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, you know, right? It's it's and I definitely don't live in that area as well, but I, it, it's just interesting to see that correlation. That's all I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have a lot. I feel like it should have a lot to do with location. Um. It's just an urban neighborhood, you know? So you got to approach with caution. You know, something you said uh, while we were in Florida was uh, the biggest gang out there is the police. And I was like, Yeah, it definitely is. That's pretty intense. CPD is like really corrupt, man. What is it? I know, like, I don't know about other places, like other cities and their police, but CPD, Chicago police, they're really, really like corrupt, like messed up. Huh. What, What have you experienced with that? Um, I say like I've been literally like pulled through the window of a car, slammed, you know, and it's like we won't be saying anything. They pull us out, instantly put us in handcuffs. Uh, I had a friend that actually a police planted a gun on him. Um, they'll pin. They have like this. Uh, on the west side of Chicago, they have a um. But if you get pulled over, you get stopped for something. If you turn in the gun, they'll let you go. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you give, I forgot what is that? I forgot the exact name they call it. What's the name they call it? It's basically you give up somebody, give up a gun or give up a drug dealer or whatever, you know, and like, it's like, it's kind of like the movies, like how crazy cops are in the movies. Mm-hmm. Like that's how we call them dicks. The detectives, we call them dicks, but like, that's how they <laughs> are in Chicago. <laughs> like they're super crooked, man. That's crazy. Like they're really, really like. And so, and that's, super that's what really pisses me off when you have these really bad cops literally screwing every other cop over because they're all the cops not not all the cops i know but the majority of the cops that i've experienced that i've, I've hung out with i've worked the scene with because I, I was i was an emt so i worked these scenes first responding with these with these cops and they're really great people that's not that's not everybody but i also think that's like every profession it's not just cops yeah. it's just it's cops are are highlighted because they're in the most intense situations which i completely get um, but that's everywhere you go. Like you can find dicks everywhere. You can find corrupt people everywhere, no matter what industry. And the people, the cops that I know, man, are some of the most like amazing people you'll ever know. Um, but also I wonder if that's location based. I wonder if that's open-minded base where you have inner city Chicago cops growing up. What I, I don't, you, I don't know what side of the city they're on, but it's almost like dog eat dog. You have to survive and you have to do what you got to do to survive on both cultures within the cop community in Chicago, as well as the inner city uh, uh, urban environments that are super violent, you know, it's just, um, it is like, I feel like it's good police officers everywhere. Like my, one of my favorite, when I went to college at Truman, my favorite teacher, I went for my prereqs, it's a community college. So I just went for prereqs. And one of my favorite teachers, Dr. Ronald Rufo, retired police officer one of the nicest guys i've ever met in my life hmm. he just retired like two three years ago but he was a police officer at the time one of the nicest guys i've ever met in my life and i've actually seen him in traffic he's the same way that he is in the classroom he's the same way in traffic when he has his badge on him he has his gun on him. he's in uniform the same as that way so there are some good police officers out there for sure for sure you know what i'm saying expect, even in chicago it's like it seems like a lot of them are, 
I say more so like the detectives are the worst ones in Chicago. Mm. Those are the ones, you know, like they'll talk crazy to you. They'll, you know, they'll antagonize you. They're playing drugs. They'll put a gun on you. Like, uh, I was the one that planted the gun on my homie, the detective. Uh, you know, and, uh, hello? Yeah, either. All right. Um, I say there's, they're really the CPD, the CPD, the detectives, they're like super shady, man. So how do we like, fix this stuff, man? man? You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but not like last year, you remember the whole George Floyd thing and everything, yeah. and like, Chicago was in an uproar and I was on the way to, I was just got back to that, getting out of my, uh, getting out of my truck and police officers drove by and yelled at the window to me, nigger, and threw a bottle at me. What? This was the last year in the summertime, man. Straight up. That was an actual cop that did that. <laughs> an actual, this was a, this wasn't even a detective, this was a squad car. Huh. You know, like I said, it's, it's really messed up out there, man. Police-wise, wow. you know. So and to fix it, I don't know, dude. I don't know, man. I wish I had the answers. I wish I could, like, you know, tap into my Doctor Strange, but <laughs> <laughs> you know. yeah, I know. So if there was, if you were uh, asked to speak at a police officers association convention, right, where all the cops come together, and uh, it's super diverse from across the nation, and they ask you to give a perspective, what would you tell them? While you're thinking on that, I got to go pee. Don't move. <laughs> All right. You're back. All right. What you got for me? Uh, honestly, man, I don't know what I would say, man. I'll be so nervous. What's, like, your, gut, what's your gut say? Fuck 12, bro. Huh? Fuck 12. Fuck 12. <laughs> that's what my dad says <laughs> oh, no. I mean seriously, seriously like you have the opportunity because you're a forward, you're a forward thinker I can tell and you want change to occur which is why you're so invested in your boxing community with where you're at right now so you love investing in people I can see that so again you have one minute to to say just a quick snippet something that would really shift the perspective hopefully and change some really cool things so if that's the ideal and spur the moment what would you say um i would probably tell them you know like hey man give people a chance you know so a lot of times people don't get a chance you know they don't get a chance you know what i'm saying yeah get it give a chance give people a chance and I always remember that patience is a virtue. Okay. A lot of officers are not patient. You know, a lot of officers don't give people a chance. And me bringing up the patience thing is that, like, you know, some people get so stuck and so startled when they see the police or are dealing with the police because of what they've seen on social media, because of things that have occurred in the past, all the way back to Rodney King. You know what I'm saying? Aaron Garner, freaking... Uh, uh, what's the name? Uh, uh, George Floyd. You know, the little guy from Florida, Trayvon Martin. You know, people see, well, that wasn't police, but people see these things and they get, you know, so it's like when we, it's a PTSD. It's a, it's a PTSD that you haven't even had to 
you haven't had, even if you haven't experienced it yet, what you're seeing happen to your culture, like it, it shocks people, it scares people. So, you know, sometimes people need that patience. You know what I'm saying? Like Eric, Eric Garner might have needed a little bit of patience, man. George Floyd might have needed just a little bit of patience, man. You know what I'm saying? They may, he may have needed those police officers to a little bit of patience or whatever it was. I don't know the exact situation of what was going on, you know, or what happened prior to, you know, because all we saw was a video and hearsay. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's like a lot of times all they need is a chance, so, you know, so, or a little time that. to figure out what they need. You know what I'm saying? To even be able to give up the information that some police officers wanted in my want their idea whatever and they get a little you know what i'm saying they get, oh, yeah. people get a little fright man yeah no big time you know? um you gotta be patient with a scared person you've brought up social you know? media a couple times now and it's it's good that you said that because that's that's a huge issue right now because right now uh i don't know if you saw that that netflix documentary called uh the social dilemma it's basically an interview or a documentary of, of all the people who started a lot of these social media sites and exactly how some of these algorithms worked. So basically, um, when you are when you click, when you engage, when you uh, talk to people, it finds those mindsets and continually puts that same information in front of your face. So if I engage, yeah, so if I engage with somebody, uh, 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 say bunny videos, if I'm just looking at bunny videos, right? And I, I like see bunnies, you know, jump off the ledge. It's going to continually show me that type of stuff. As well yeah, as, like ads for bunny food and yeah, exactly. bunny cages. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A leash for your bunny type <laughs> stuff, you know? <laughs> but it's the exact same thing with race. So if you mm. if if an entire black community is only engaging with each other and hitting likes and it perpetuates the problem of confirmation bias. And so you get these entire groups of people who are only feeding on one perspective. And that one perspective is what's grown and grown and grown, causing riots and uh less and like crazy violence and all these things and that's exactly on every side every social group same thing with my social group i've noticed like when i i'm reading something i guess it's categorized me a certain way politically and so it only puts those type of perspectives in front of my face and so even though i don't really do i don't like a whole lot of posts i don't really it's it they measure your screen time that you're looking at a post and they measure the, the exact seconds you look at a video or a picture and it continue to push that same stuff in front of you. So you've mentioned social media and how it it's an issue and it, how it's not really giving us fresh perspectives. However, a lot of people are only using that one perspective of social media to base their entire life on. I feel like media period. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's even with like new officers, they see things on media, like uh, the airports in Chicago and whatnot, or people period, you know, or, you know what I'm saying? Black people, they'll see, um, or people of different cultures will see the uproars of Black people in L.A., Chicago, New York. Um, black people only see, you know, they see freaking police brutality or racism or whatever. Um, same things on social media as well. You know, social media, media period has ruined many of lives, I feel like, you know. Mm-hmm. And not just even on a race level, you know what I'm saying? Like from females looking at other females, like, damn, I wish I had a body like her mm. or guys seeing a guy in a car, like, damn, man, I wish I had that car, you know, and now they're depressed because they don't have that or she doesn't have this body, 
You know what I'm saying? This guy doesn't have those clothes or that car. You know what I'm saying? Or racism. Mm -hmm. Man, fuck those white people, man. I can't hang with white people because I saw this on uh, Instagram the other day. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I saw this on the news. Man, I don't want to be around black people because I saw this on the news. I saw this post on social media. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I get it, man. I completely get it. I'm just... Yeah, media is wrong, though, still. Well, it it seems like the problems that we're experiencing right now is exactly what a lot of these systems want. You know, the, the algorithms on social media don't want to give you different perspectives because giving you different perspectives would actually mean less money in their pockets and less power for them. So we, we need open-mindedness. We need different perspectives and everything that is occurring in media is not giving us that no matter what way. Divide, you yeah. Divide, conquer and put them in a box. So the art of the conversation is lost um that's I, I kind of find it find it funny how podcasting right now is projected to be like a two billion dollar industry in 10 years but it's because i'm wondering um the art of the conversation is finally starting to come back and it's in the baby steps you know whenever you can't have a conversation with somebody that's whenever you don't get perspective and with social media with the media in general like you're saying but I, I, for me i'm taking more of the social media approach the social media approach uh it's Twitter is what 120 characters. You don't. That's not a conversation. Uh, Facebook, yeah. it gives you, you know, one status and gives you the same perspectives within that confirmation bias we're talking about. And then TikTok, it's what under 15 second videos and then 60 second videos or something like that. That's not conversation. That's yeah. not giving you perspective. So I wonder Just if the pod- a slight outlook. Yes. And so I'm, I'm. What I love is that the the art of the conversation. I think is slowly coming back via podcasting, which is what I love about these type of conversations. It's giving me a fresh perspective um, and even teach me. Just Sorry, my dog's like scratching at the door. <laughs> oh, you good, bro. Do what you gotta do. <laughs> no, I just had to snap a point at him. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it really, I agree completely, man. It really does only give you and it doesn't even give you a full perspective of anything. It gives you just a small little yep. glance yep. of what you believe, of what you think. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, um, <laughs> it's great. like a uh, perfect example. Like, if you look at whatever it is that you're looking at, like you said, they're gonna show you the same thing. Well, you already we already went over the same thing over and over again. So you're only gonna know you. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I say divide, conquer, put them in a the box. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all stuck in a box and nobody knows how to get out. Nobody knows how to open the box. And I think it's more so, not even that people don't know how to open the box. People aren't trying to open the box. Yeah, people don't boy. want, people don't, not even trying. You're either going to do I don't believe in trying anything. You're either going to do it or you don't. My father always told me since I was a kid, you're going to do it or you don't, or you're not going to do it. There's no in between. Damn. People that succeed, People that succeed, you never will hear a person succeed and say, I tried. Yes, I tried. No, they always say, I did it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Failure. People that fail say, oh, man, I, but I tried. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? You're either going to do it or you don't. And people don't want to change. People don't want to escape the box. People don't want to even peek and open the box. A lot of people don't even want a new perspective. Damn. You know what I'm saying? They don't want to have these conversations. Yep. You know, because everyone is closed-minded you know what i'm saying and back to social media 
social media has made us as a people, not us as a black people, us as a people in a whole, whether in Africa, uh, Europe, wherever, it's made us as a whole selfish. It's made us as a whole self-centered. So only a perspective that people get nowadays is their own perspective. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Social media has turned people into introverts, you know, mm-hmm. and not in the sense of a good introvert. Like my fiance is an introvert, but she'll have a conversation with you for hours yep. about whatever. Yep. You know what I'm saying? But it's made people into the worst kind of introverts where they don't even want to know what you have to say. Hmm. They don't even want to know what's on the other side of the door. They don't want to see the sun shine through the box. You know what I'm saying? Do you think that people are so close-minded and only having that one perspective of themselves because they're scared of new things and they're scared of actually changing? It's like they're safe. They feel safe. They feel warm. They don't want to change much because it's comfortable for them. Yes, I I, I definitely believe that. I definitely believe that. And that's mm-hmm. another thing also like with the racism. You know what I'm saying? Like people are afraid of change. People are afraid of new things. You know what I'm saying? They're afraid of difference. Hmm. You know? So even your- animals, even animals are afraid of new things. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? You bring a dog and a cat in the house with each other, dogs two years old, cats two years old, they're afraid of each other. Even though they probably won't, you know what I'm saying? Like they're afraid of each other. You know? When I first got my, uh, me and my fiance, we first got my smaller, the younger, our younger dog, Bishop, and we got Bushido, the cat. The cat was so afraid for itself. It was afraid of that change. It was afraid of that new, this new thing that I've never seen before. I've seen, I've seen was cats and people, little other kittens and people. I don't know what this is. You know what I'm saying? So it was afraid of that until it got to know it. You know what I'm saying? But animals are different. They're more open-minded, you know? Um, you know, something I noticed about you whenever we first came uh, to that hotel was, you know, we, we walked into the room, the, it was an outdoor, outdoor little restaurant, small bar, uh, so on and so forth. We walk in, it's, it's kind of busy. Uh, we, my wife and I didn't really know what to sit. Nobody really welcomed us. We didn't really know what to do. And it's funny. Cause like across the room, across the entire dining room, you made eye contact with us and you're like, Hey, come over here. <laughs> you just like, you waved us over. I don't know that's just business and that's great, but like you welcomed. And I don't think that it's happening. So comfortable. Man. Yeah, I know. You know? And I'm noticing about that. And I, I wonder, like, back to uh, feeling safe. Like, I didn't know where to go. I just, I needed somebody to walk me through, even just to sit down, because, like, they're, they're, that wasn't there. And yeah. you made eye contact across the room and, like, made connection with me, and my wife. You know, hey, bro, come over here. Let's talk. And you, you took care of us. And I wonder if you take that same ideal and apply it to every area of life and say, hey, bro, come over here, chat. I got Let's you, make bro. eye contact. I will say one of is this guy wasn't even like, I feel like I could have considered this guy a friend. It's homeless dude. Every single day I would have a conversation with the guy. He would hit me with a new riddle every single day. He got me out of $5 every day. Let's put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> he hit me with a new riddle every day. But like, I don't care what your walk of life is. I don't care where you come from, like what you look like, like, I'll kick with you. I'll talk with you. As long as you're nice, as long as you're nice to me, and as long as you're displaying the same respect that I'm displaying to you, I don't care. If if I see you from across the room, I see you up close. Like I'll talk to you. 
you know what I'm saying? Depend on how I'm feeling. Sometimes <laughs> I, I'm I'm emo, man. So sometimes like I don't even want to talk to people. It's just because I'll be going through something in my, you know yeah, what I'm saying? That, yeah, that's my own. But for the most part, like I don't care, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you can barely speak English. I will still try to hold a conversation with you, even though you don't speak English. Yeah. And we got this dude uh from <laughs> from the gym, man. Solid dude, man. Nika. He doesn't speak a lot of English, and I can tell, but like I like talking to the guy. He's such a nice guy, man. Really, mm-hmm. he's from Georgia. Um, not Georgia here, Georgia. I think it's Russia or something like that, maybe. Oh, wow. I think. But he's European, and the place where he's from is called Georgia. Same, really nice guy, man. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like I say, it doesn't matter what you look like. Straight European. It doesn't matter what you look like, where you come from, or whatever. Man. It's all about, like I say, open mindedness being respectful of people, you know, you can never go wrong, man. Which yeah. uh, you're absolutely right. And I, I wanted to just say that, that like what you did for us was what needs to happen on a macro side of, of things where there's more people, Hey, let me get to know you. Hey, let's, let's just chat. Let's have a conversation. Um, what I think a lot of people are just feeling lost and they don't want to make that eye contact, you know, from a, when you, when you think about it, big picture, that eye contact, that feeling of knowing people don't want to do because it, is pushing on some of their fears of fear of being known. And I've said this before, but like a lot of people, um, they want to be known. Everybody wants to be known, fully known, but they retract and are scared about being fully known because if they're afraid that if they're fully known, they'll never be fully loved. And everybody wants it. Everybody wants to be fully known and fully loved, but they can't. They're afraid that if they're fully known, they'll never be fully loved. And I know you and I are definitely not on that level because we. This is just a few conversations you know, we've had. But you made eye contact. People, yeah, I feel like a lot of people are like that also because people don't fully know themselves. Yeah, people don't fully love themselves. A lot of people lie to themselves. They don't even know who they truly are. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And like, um, just like in a relationship, or whatever. Like something I'm working on. Like in the beginning, of me and my fiance's relationship, like. Like before we've been in a relationship, like I just felt like, oh man, I got a lot. I can't tell her about this. I can't tell her about that, you know? And surprisingly, she's one of those people like, that's not like that. Like, you can actually tell her about whatever, you know? And so that's how she got to, you know what I'm saying? We got to know each other through truth. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. how you get to know someone through truth. And a lot of people lie to themselves. A lot of people don't love themselves. So they don't know who they even are. They don't even know I say they don't know who they are. So how can anybody else know? How can anybody else love? Them? How can how can anybody else get to know somebody else I, if they fully don't know themselves? Exactly. And I think that's a lot of the fear because people that's know deep. that they don't know themselves. People mm. know that they don't love themselves. You know how, what I'm saying? They, they want to be loved, else? yeah, but they don't know how to do it themselves. And you got to start with self. You know how do you saying? do that? Is it religion? Is it is it science? What is it? Is it spirituality? Um, is it... I feel like whatever niche it is in life that you have to take. We already talked about this yesterday, like the RCA thing. Like my lady, she's a Catholic, man. I'm not a Catholic, but she's a Catholic. You know what I'm saying? And that helps her. Her being a Catholic helps her to tr- that's she knows herself. Hmm. She loves herself. You know what I'm saying? That is her. So that's why I take my RCIA class that I was telling you about yesterday. I want to get to know her one another. I know my fiance, so, but I don't know that level of it. You, RC, know what I'm R, you said RCIA? 
What is that? Uh, she's going to be pissed. I don't know. It's kind of like an intro into Catholicism, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay. I got you, bro. <laughs> I got you, man. Okay. No, so, you know what I'm saying? So it's like some people in order for her also to feel you know what I'm saying, to be a better, for her to feel she's a uh, good person, a better person, she needs that. Some people need the Islamic faith. Some people need, like me, I need meditation in my life. I need the beach and I need meditation in my life. That's how I find a way to love myself because I meditate, you know what I'm saying? I clear my mind and I tap into self. You know what I'm saying? When she goes to church and she, you know what I'm saying? goes up to the Eucharist and she does her prayers. You know what I'm saying? She genuflects and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? At the cathedral or whatever, that helps her to know herself. That helps her to better love herself. That helps her to know like, hey, I'm doing the right things. You know what I'm saying? So I can I can be loved. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I say some people need different things. Some people may need science, man. I don't know, man. Some people may need to find fossils or something to love themselves. I don't know. You know, but it's people have to find out what's what makes them them. People have to find out how can I get to know myself. You know, do you ever uh, meditate and go to the beach and do all those things, and then like you, you're feeling peace and you're feeling good about it, but then you, you're always just curious if there's something more, or are you content? There's always something more. The day that you stop learning is the day that you stop living. Mm-hmm. There is always something more. The day that you stop seeking more, what are you here for? You're wasting everybody else's oxygen. <laughs> There's always more in life. You know what I'm saying? Like I tell my daughter, I told you before, I got a daughter and I got a son. I tell my daughter and my son all the time. You cannot settle for anything. Don't settle. Don't be comfortable. Become comfortable being uncomfortable. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? There's always something more. Don't settle for the best. You know what I'm saying? Because the best you can get, $5 may be the best. You know what I'm saying? That might be the best you can get is $5 right now. Don't settle for that $5. Try to turn that $5 into $10. Try to turn that $10 into $20. Try to turn that $20 into $40. You know what I'm saying? You can never settle. When I meditate, I search in different ways of meditation. I love I I have a love hate relationship with religion. <laughs> I get you. Know what I'm saying? I love I, I have a love hate thing. Um, but I love religion because there's always something new to learn. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's always something new in religions. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. So what what about religion yeah. is is kind of a drawing you? Is it because there is it's a new field that you haven't been into, or do you feel like do you feel like there's actual something there? In religion, mm-hmm. um, so I love my mother. She's a sweetheart, and she—the reason I have to say that straight out the gate first because she almost had us in a cult. <laughs> but my mother has <laughs> a real life cult, dude. <laughs> oh, I, I want to hear this story. <laughs> so, from all the way since I was a shorty man, when I first moved with my mom when I was uh, four, she uh. She had us do different religions all the time. The first one of the first ones to deal with was Catholicism. I was too young to understand it, so that's why I'm revisiting now. 
You know what I'm saying? Not only for my fiance, but also for self. You know what I'm saying? I'm revisiting now. I understand what I'm sure. We dealt with the Islamic faith, Sunni Muslims, and Nation of Islam Muslims. We dealt with Buddhists, uh, Baptists, Methodists. We were we were about to become missionaries. And this whole freaking, this was called the divine metaphysical research of life, the cult. Okay. <laughs> so far out shit, man. Totally <laughs> far out. Me and my siblings, I have five siblings. Uh, one of them wasn't there. She's she has a she has a different mother than I do. Uh, and my other siblings, but it was five of us, my little brother and my three sisters. And we hated going to this place. We knew that, like, yo, something's wrong with this place, man. Not only this guy that keeps on saying right at the end of every sentence, <laughs> something seriously wrong. No, nah, this dude's <laughs> He's tripping over here. <laughs> yeah, something is wrong with something. We're not supposed to be here. We all knew that. We would talk about it. I, said, oh, dude, like, I hate going here. Interesting. Every Tuesday we went. Every Tuesday. <laughs> and um, I don't know how my mom found out it was cold, but like they were trying to like get us to go somewhere, and like we were never gonna come back to them. So. Oh no! Um, <laughs> oh no! 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 <laughs> it was a real life legitimate cult, man. And oh. like, so my path through life, I've come to realize dealing with all these different religions, different churches, different synagogues. Even Hebrew Israelite, and I did Hebrew Israelite on my own as an adult. All of these religions, man, the thing that draws me away and the things that draw me to, the things that draw me away is that the judgment from each religion. Each religion doesn't understand that. For the, and I'm, this is a general statement. Um, for anybody, you know what I'm saying? For all who see, this is just a general statement. Religions feel that this is the way. This is the only truth. And it's a general statement because not everybody in the religions believe that this is the way. You know what I'm saying? This is the only truth. The thing that I love about it is everybody's shooting for the exact same goal, but everybody's doing it in a different way. Catholics do it their way, <laughs> Baptists do it their way, Muslims do it their way, Buddhists do it their way. Everybody's shooting for, everybody's shooting for the exact same thing, just in a different way. Hmm. Interesting. That's it. You know, and there's something learned from all of them. You know, I, lo- I love it. You know, that's kind of so. <laughs> I love it. So that's, that's kind of also you what know? draws you to it because you're saying that. So, religion, the judgment from religion across the board is what, you're, what frustrates you. But what draws you to it is that everybody's searching for love and kindness. It's kind of what you're saying. Exactly. Everybody believes in one God, you know, everybody leaves, everybody search, you know, seeking for the afterlife. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's, it's just, I love the difference. I love different things. I love change. I love difference. You know, I love that. That's interesting. I love the differences. So you're, you're kind of variety. You're kind of from that, the perspective of there is a higher power, um, that's what most people can't agree on, that there isn't a higher power. But after that is kind of where it breaks down, where people kind of go their own ways. Is, it kind of, is that kind of what I hear you saying? Essentially, pretty much. Okay, interesting. No, it's, uh, it's, I think it's good to talk about. Um, again, all the stuff that we're talking about, people don't want to talk about. And 
I think also people want to force things down their throat. Um, you know, I, I have my own perspective on things, and that's fine. That's something I hate. So I hate a, I hate a thumper, man. <laughs> oh, you got to do this because this is the way. There's a guy, man, downtown Chicago. Anybody from Chicago that hears this, they can t- vouch, man. There's this dude that stands out there with a speaker box and a microphone. It's like, you're going to hell. If yeah. you don't come home to Jesus right now, you're going every day. Rain, hail, sleet, or snow. This dude is like, I always say hello to him. So he's like, what's going on, young brother? You're going to go to hell if you don't live your life right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But you have a good day. Bro. Like, everybody, it'll be a lady walking my smoke. You're going to hell for smoking that cigarette. You know, I'm always kind to him, but I hate that he does. Yeah. You know, well, I cannot yeah. stand that when people do Exactly. That's just that's just not true. Because I think, you know, man, religion is is a is always a hard topic. Religion is a hard topic. Politics is a hard topic. Race is a hard topic. It's all things that need to be talked about, though, because perspective is good. But it's it's interesting how like like how somebody who could be you know that Bible thumper, he's a Christian or he's Christian, right? Uh, in quotation marks, um, the Bible thumper can be completely uh, with good intentions, but be completely off. Because, because yeah. I believe I know what I believe. I know like, but what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do. But I, I also know that the one thing I'm, I am supposed to do is just to love. Like that's the one thing that everybody's supposed to do. Yeah. It's it's actually the thing that ties all the religions together. But it's the it's interesting how when you actually break down all these religions, the only religion, okay, religion when I say in quotation marks, the only religion that um, doesn't require anything to be in good sighting with God is Jesus. So like, it's kind of like everybody can be, um, this, this is, this is what I believe. I'm, uh, this is kind of the, the thing that I had. It took me a long time to get to, uh, cause I'm very science based. I'm, I want to know that I know that I, know. I had a time in my life where I just wanted to know by proving it with evidence, what is the right path to take? Uh, is your dog jumping on the door again? <laughs> Go and get him. <laughs> that, that side eye. <laughs> it's like the dad thing. Like, yeah, like, well, I know. Looking at, like, I know. <laughs> you go let him out, man, if you need. <laughs> no, he's he already outside. But I don't want to let him in right now. Yeah. I just gets distorted, man. Uh, religion gets distorted. And for me, the only thing what I realized in the teachings of the Bible and the teachings of Islam and Buddhism, um, the actual true form of what is supposed to happen within I love spirituality. Yeah, no, I get you. The The only thing that uh, spirituality kind of comes down to is love. And yeah. for me, that's literally like, I don't have to do anything to earn the love of the higher power of God. Right. I don't have to do anything. There's nothing, but because I know that I don't have to do anything, like it makes me want to do stuff. And I think that's what people don't get. Like there's no set of rules you have to do to earn the favor of God. You're just already loved. That's what's, and for me, like that was huge because I always tried to be so good. I always try to be perfect to earn the love of God. And that's what I think every religion does. Even a lot of forms of Christianity, it's always like this pushing, this pushing, pushing. You have to do stuff to learn the love of God. And once I realized that, like I didn't have to, and that I'm already loved no matter what I do, it kind of changed everything for me. And I, that's lot, facts, bro. And that's, that's back facts. to identity and back to, um, perspective that helps me have the open mind. Love is what helps me have this open mind. And I, I know that like, no matter what I do, no matter what you do, like I'm like, Jesus still loves me. Like no matter what I do, it makes me want to do so much more good, <laughs> you know, 
it's almost yeah. it's almost like a marriage like with you and your girl like uh if she had this checklist of everything you had to do to be able to mm-hmm. be in the relationship with her it'd get kind of tiring i mean you love her but if she said every morning you have to do this 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 and this you know wash the clothes clean that it would get exhausting and yeah you get burned out and you dip out right same thing with spirituality and if you continually think you have to do something, you're going to get burned out. Once you realize that yeah. your girl just loves you for who you are, man, it's like, it's just exponential love after that. Exactly. And it's like, you end up becoming, you end up dreading the religion. You yep. know what I'm saying? Like you're doing it in jail, like, ah, I do this. Yep. And some that's people, what I feel like some people like really love doing it. Like my fiance, like she loves going to church like every day in the morning. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. But she will, and I love it though because then the thing is the difference with her, like she does it because she loves to do it, yeah. not because she feels like she has to. Yep. She loves it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. She goes to confession because she loves it. Yep. You know, because she believes in that unconditional love. Yep. Of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And that's and I love that about her. And that's that's what yeah. gets so distorted. And even those she like don't those love me like that. <laughs> is, she, is she right there? Nah, she's sleeping. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I, I gotta get her on the podcast too, man. I'd love to hear her perspective on on a lot of that. Even man, dude, she dude, she's is, like man, some she's, she's so a smart. she's a crazy fighter, isn't she? Man, she's badass, bro. Yeah, straight up, she a killer. She's uh, was it top ten or something like that in something? Yep, yep. What top was it? 10 in the nation, man. She ranked number ten in the entire nation. For uh, like semi pro or no number nine I think it's for amateurs. Am- dude, for US yep USA boxing. So that's amazing. I gotta one of these days we'll get her on and we'll have a. And awesome she got belts, trophies, all types of stuff, medals. What's oh, her name got. again? Catherine Ayura. Okay. Yep. Catherine Cool Hands Cat Ayura. Cool Hands Cat. <laughs> yeah. Straight up, man. Man, that's Seriously, awesome. Man, her fighting style, man, she's the slickest grits. <laughs> What's her plan? Is she she's trying to go pro, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she um. So they're talking about something going on uh, in the summertime for her. Um, so we have to get all the details for that. Um, once you get the details, that then I'm like boom on Facebook and Instagram fighting this day. Nice dude. That's kind of funny. Uh, she's she's probably acting like she's sleeping, but she's probably straight up like listening to all this, just loving hearing you talk about her. <laughs> That's awesome. So, man, what's uh, what's your what do you want to do in the next five years? So, five years from now. The next, all right. So, the next five years, man. I want to stack my bread up. This year, I'm like stack stuff. I want to, I want to at least get my credit score to eight hundred. Nice. I need to get an eight hundred credit score within the next five years. I feel like I can do that within the next two. I pay my bills on time. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, we're going to start a credit union. Uh, finally, hopefully, COVID is done within the next five years yeah. so we can actually set a date to get married. Dude, I'm <laughs> so like excited actual, for you, dude. Like, <laughs> you proposed to her right, in, uh, in the ring, right? Yes, sir, in the boxing gym, man. Pretty recent, yep. too, huh? Yeah, that was last year. Dude. 2020, man, August 14th. That's um, awesome. I, I, uh, I say I want to. Next five years, I want to get my credit score. I want to expand my father's business 
uh, which is Treadstone. Uh, it's Treadstone, Chicago. I want to expand that. You know, he's an old head. He's like, oh, man, Chicago, Chicago. I'm like, no, but Pop, you can do Miami. You can do LA. You can, so you what's, know, you can, what's Treadstone? You can expand. Uh, so it's a building that um, he owns. Um, I'm like, he put me on the label or whatever, but I just say it's his building. Uh, in Chicago, it's an apartment building. Um, so it's pretty um, real. He's a realtor, I guess. If that's what you want to call him. <laughs> but he yes. owns the building in Chicago. <laughs> he owns the building in Chicago. I mean, it's my pops, man. So uh, for me, he's just my pops. Yeah, I get that. Other people, he's a realtor. You know, he's yeah. a landlord. Yeah. But he. Um, so you want to get like I commercial real estate? Out. Spread that around a little bit. Exactly. Okay. I want to expand that. Um, I want to invest my money as, uh, which I already have been doing investing my money in stock, but I want to invest in more. Um, in the next five years, I'm 28 now, I'll be 29 this year. So by the time I'm 34, let's just say 35, I want to be closer to retirement. You know what I'm saying? I want to be able, I want to be done with boxing and I want to just be training people. Hmm. Like I know for a fact that I will create world champions. I know I would get kids on Team USA. I know I would create tournaments of world champions. World champions, man. That's awesome. So you're really wanting to have like this work optional lifestyle. You want to have, not have to worry about money. You want yeah, to- I want to be my own man. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to be, in the next five years, I don't want to be working for anybody else. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I want to be working for myself. Dude, have you thought you know, about I just want to be like a financial advisor hooked up with you? I haven't. Cause, bro, I had this guy on. I, um, his name is Chris Alberson. He's he's got a company, and that's what he does. But he's like, their their company and what they do, they're like legit guys. They're not just like a holes who are trying to steal your money. They they plug all your factors in, and they uh, run it through an algorithm. It with again, Doctor Strange. They do it like a Doctor Strange, where they have all these possible solutions, and they give you the best possible outcome via this this algorithm. Um, so you might, man, you, you might consider talking to them because they can just set you up. They run with your money. They, they invest it in all these mutual funds. They say, what do I, what do you need to do to be able to get to a work optional lifestyle by the age that you want it? And then yeah. tell you the exact step that you need to do to get there. And I had them on the podcast and we talked about mutual funds and stocks and bonds and how to get to that point. Cause a lot of people are, are working this nine to five life and can't retire. You know, that's, that's not what you and I want. We want to be able to have our own business. We want to have the option to work where we have support and provision for our families while doing the things that actually change our community. Thanks. So, so what I want to do is like, by the time I'm 45, I want to be able to say, I want to be able to make a choice. You know what? I'm a retire. Sure. Or you know what? I'll keep working to it. Or and again, 50, 50, I don't want to be working at all. I don't, once 50 hits, yeah. I don't care what's, there is no choice. It's just, I'm not working anymore. But, but it's, <laughs> that's it's, what I want. It's not just like not working. It's working for the things that you want to do. You want to, you want to not work to be able to get that, to earn that paycheck. You just, you want to work in different ways that are actually going to be your passions to where you don't have to worry exactly. about the paycheck. And that's what we call the exactly. work option. I don't want to be on anybody's clock. Yep. You know, preach, but my own. Yep. You know, I don't want to be on anybody's club because I don't like I don't like going to work. I hate it, yeah. and I have a really bad problem with authority. So, 
I know that I'm supposed to be an entrepreneur. Like I have an entrepreneurial spirit because I have really bad problems with authority. Like I say, I don't like being on time for other people's things, for other people's establishments. I don't like that. I don't have to have to rush myself because anything can happen. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to set my own time, set my own rules. I want to do everything on my 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 time. Yep. You know, I know it's kind of selfish, but no, dude, I, it I is literally, what it is. I literally just started doing that. Like literally the yeah. past six months, I just started doing what you're talking about. Um, and there was, there was a lot of other factors involved in that, but it, it allowed like the reason why we're talking right now on this podcast is because I wanted to do these things that I wanted to do. Um, I'm going to stay home with my, with my, my kids. My wife is mainly working cause she wanted to work and it's that same exact thing, man. Like you have that ability to just, to wake up, do your thing, work, earn that money and call it good and have that work optional lifestyle one day. So five years, man, that's awesome. Like you want to really start pushing some, some change in your community through boxing. That's, that's admirable and honorable, man. Much, much respect. It. Let's keep pushing. Keep pushing. And I, I appreciate and respect your game too, man. Shoot. You, <laughs> you know, seriously, man. You talking to the people, man. You looking for a change in life. Like, I love that. These type of conversations are what I'm striving for, where I want to have. I want even people to listen to this conversation to hopefully change their perspective on some things. Um, because again, the open-mindedness, the lack of diversity in some communities, both black and white, um, Mexican, Asian, whatever it is, um, that's not occurring a lot in a lot of spots. And the art of this conversation, the, the learning perspectives that you and I can both gain is how we change things. And that's awesome, bro. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to kind of leave this podcast with last words? Um, To everybody that listens to this, live your life. Seek change. Seek growth. Don't settle for less. Don't even settle for the best. The sky is not a limit. The sky, don't set a limit for yourself. Mm. The sky is not a limit at all. Um, <clears throat> last but not least, love people, man. You know, do right by your family. If you got kids, do right by your kids and treat the next man the same way that you would want them to treat you. And you'll be all right in like straight up. That's amazing, bro. Well, man, I and really don't appreciate be afraid you. of difference. Yeah, for, for real. Sure. I really appreciate you coming on the, on the podcast, man. We'll, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, and I appreciate you inviting me, man. Anytime, dude. dude <laughs> straight yeah, up. Yeah. Anytime, we'll, man. We'll get your lady on here in a little bit. <laughs> for sure, for sure, man. All right, bro. You have a good I day. I definitely appreciate it, man. All right, you too, man. Stay bye. blessed, bro. All right, bye. Yeah.